have liked to see an expansion team uh, in Vegas, I suppose, but you know, I'm not one of those people that's gung-ho, my God, we need to get there, I'm gonna spend all my money to go out there and go see the team, and then, you know, also maybe watch some hockey as well. We already have that in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> Especially from the Midwest. I- I'm more excited about how they announce the team, which... I, I, were, I don't remember who said it, but they, they threw out the idea that uh, the announcement could take place at the NHL Awards in Vegas. And I just wonder how you get Bettman and some C-level celebrity up there at the same time to announce the uh, Vegas franchise. I just wonder who that celebrity would be. they got to get clever. It can't, be be- it can't be worse than their musical acts they select. <laughs> it can't be worse. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you were beaming with pride when Lee Greenwood was at the, uh, the Washington uh, Winter Classic. I muted it. I didn't even watch that. <laughs> Did he sing another song? Welcome back into the show that has a log jam of talent on the wings. This is the Predcast presented by <gasps> on the forecheck.com. First time for that. Ooh, yeah. I'm back. Yeah, Lincoln I'm back, back with on the forecheck after after a what two year absence. It's yeah, come full circle. You got to go home. That's the voice of John Garcia, who has uh, taken over the reins from Chris Martell on as the as the the high scoring left winger on this show. Hi, John. We couldn't find a number one center. I'm sorry. You guys will just have to do with me. Yeah, I, I thought I was the number one center. You are. Uh, I guess one of my. You're you're our um our Czech goaltending like ace in the sleeve. <laughs> I don't know. You're Dan. I you're, stole you're, the puck that come in my general direction. Um, we were enjoying tonight. Or this is a, okay. This is a true story. Chris Martell is not a beer person. He's always a, he's been a cider person as long as I've known him. Um. We're actually being able to finally, for the first time in years, enjoy beer during the Predcast. So, so yeah, this is, you'd be surprised but for how weird we get in the show sometimes, how little we actually drink. It's, it's amazing. So I, then the latter half of the hour is going to be interesting. It's like, uh, it's going to be turned into Dignation very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I just aged myself right there. We're enjoying some uh, Leghorn IPA from Jackalope. Stop by there before the uh, before the show tonight. And this is the ad copy. <clears throat> a play on traditional India pale ale, a match for leghorn, includes three different types of rye. Rye imparts a spicy malt profile that balances the five hop additions. Bitter with Columbus hops and dry hop with Liberty. A deep hop flavor with delicate floral bouquet creates a complex yet refreshing brew. From Jackalope. Which, by the way, we had the barrel walker at the uh, Preds Beer Fest. So good. That was okay. Did so you go to the Preds Beer Fest, Link? I was not there. No. Oh, okay. It has way overgrown just the lower level of Bridgestone Arena, and we while we were there, you could see like stuff is going on as far as the renovation goes, which we'll get into that later on. But uh, a lot of people there from out of the place. They had sour beers there. You don't get a whole lot of sour beers here. It's we're we're not quite there yet as a beer. Although drinker. Yazoo's Summer Seasonal is a sour beer. It's a sour beer, but it's it was a very mild compared to the one from the Tin Man. Did you try the uh, Lawfully? From uh, New Belgium, I did not try that one. It's usually about sixteen dollars for seven hundred fifty, and it's very potent, but very good. No, I'm still stuck on that a uh, Blue Moon Horchata. That was I need to find oh, that. Is again. that like Horchata beer? Mm-hmm. Yes, that sounds impressive. I'm a big Horchata good. fan. You would enjoy the Blue like, Moon Horchata. Like Jason Zito would not shut up about it. It's that good. It was really good. Cool. Sounds good. So, 
On the show today, we're going to talk some offseason stuff. Uh, NHL draft is coming on. Free agency has mostly come. It's starting to settle down. Uh, some existing roster issues. Five Tough Questions is back, so you're going to be getting that as well. Um, so I had a little PTSD there for a second. I forgot about Five Tough Questions. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, of the pre-show email that gets sent out, that's the one part that still gets omitted. Yeah, I can't prep for that. Let's dive right into it. Um, NHL draft. Uh, Predators did not have a first-round pick. Did not make any trades either that were worthy of note, unlike the Edmonton Oilers, unlike the Rangers, unlike all the rest of the cool kids. Instead, they just start drafting centermen, and uh, they start throwing picks at Yakov Trin, which we can't decide if his name starts with a Y or an I. I, don't I, I well, it, I, it looks everything I've found has, it seems to be selling the I. Mm-hmm. I, I, as, I don't know how that affects the actual pronunciation. The mm-hmm. Predators put it out when they drafted him, and in every press release that they've had, they pronounce it with an I. And but every other thing that I've seen, hockey's future, elite prospects, everything else is all with a Y. Well, I will say, hockey futures has shifted to the the I now. Have they? Because okay. uh, yeah, because I I was just making sure I had my draft order right when I was doing notes for the show, and they had the I. That's a missed opportunity. I mean, with Y Yak, you know, on Yak sitting. Come on. Now we have Yak, Yak, which is so. No, I got nothing for that one. It's Yak, Kov. It's a missed opportunity there. They do uh, start throwing around picks. They uh, get Thomas Novak, which Brian, our prospect guy, was really high on. Uh, they got tra- they got uh, Tyler Moy from Harvard, who is going to be playing this season beside Jimmy Vesey. Uh, maybe that's just a play for Jimmy Vesey's heart. You can do a lot worse than, than spending a what a late round pick on that guy like that. So, uh, two goalies and a defenseman. It was the anti Predators draft. Impressions. Uh, the thing that struck me uh, the most is not just getting a bunch of sentiment in a row. But that they went after centermen who, in their drafting reports, talks about how smart they are and how good they're, you know, that vague hockey sense is. I just think of guys who understand and get the, how the game works and flows. So they go out and they get a bunch of centers who may not be the highest skill guys, the flashiest, noteworthy guys necessarily, but they all are noted for having good hockey sense, smart in the ice, making good decisions, which makes sense. If you think about guys like, uh, uh, Donsuk, who were low-round picks who excelled, they were just very, very smart hockey players who developed and built the skills through hard work and practice. So maybe they're looking to say, okay, let's just take as many waivers as we can out in guys, and one or two of them will turn into something that'll be special. Yeah, and uh, getting on that as well, um, on the flip side of that, I was also a little bit, I don't want to say concerned, that sounds a little bit too, too much, but... I always feel like the best idea for the draft is to take the best player available. Now, some of the players that they were doing were doing that. I mean, they had their eye on Yakov Trenin for a, a while, it seemed like, reading the press releases from after the draft. Um, but they were cer- it certainly looked like they were drafting to fill a specific need for something that they, that they need right now, which you never know when that could change. I mean, the team needs centers right now, no matter what. But in a couple of years, if there's a trade comes along, if someone leaves, if someone comes in, is that still going to be what they need before? Um, I mean, granted, that said, that's really a minor complaint, I thought, for not having a first-round draft pick that they did pretty much just about as well as they could do. And that's, that's kind of a good question there is in the sense that they're drafting these guys, which the organization is pretty thin on centers to begin with. If you look at the organization, who are the projected top six centers outside the current existing roster? Vladislav Himenyev. We'll see. Austin Watson, you think he would have shown us a little bit of something more now, but they may have been just taking your time with him. Colton Sissons is probably going to be a mid a midline center at best, like second line, third line. Who knows? He may be the fourth line guy. These guys are all bringing in, are all further down the road, two, three years at, at the very most optimistic, two to three years away. 
that makes that's why I wrote the the piece that I did is that is Nashville right now building for building this team for this year or doing the Atlanta Braves thing and building a team two years in advance that way so they they don't look at their window they want to compete now they're not trying to lose and tank or anything they're just not going to spend assets that they're going to use to win later for a guy to win now right and you look at kind of what they have right now as far as for most of the people on the roster the team is very young i mean really what they're looking at right now is you've still got probably a couple years left of Shea Weber and Pecorine. But other than that, you look at Roman Yossi, you look at Smith, you look at Forsberg, all these guys that have been stepping out the past couple of years are all in their early to mid twenties. I mean, a guy like James Neal, who's 27, 28 now, I mean, 26, yeah, 26. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, even that's not that old. That's you know just about getting past outside of the prime. So he's still got very yeah, he, many productive 27's years. Twenty seven is the peak. That's yeah. the kind of that that peak year, and and he's on a good quality deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just look just right on the roster and and thinking about center. Uh, you know, you just look at that. That's the hardest position to fill is to find good quality centers. And so why not put in a bunch of guys who could be five years out before they're ready to play center because that's going to be a huge development time. You're not going to just magically draft a center that can fill in in in, in the meantime unless you get really lucky or, or really David. really unlucky so they'd have to trade or buy a center for any time of the next two or three years you're not going to just develop one out of out of nowhere unless one of these guys just has some some cataclysmic event that turns him into some sort of superhero center uh so i mean it, it really shows an eye for where they know they need to be competitive now, but they also are going to stick with that predator model of being competitive every year, and so they they're already setting themselves up to be competitive four, five, six years down the road, which I think is really an interesting approach. You know who else had the same approach for the last decade or so? Oh, please don't say the Kings. No, the Detroit Red Wings. Okay, just checking. <laughs> no, <I laughs> he usually says the Kings. No, the Detroit Red Wings for years took flyers on late-round guys that had good hockey sense, that you know were good offensive players who may not have been the best skaters or may have had like the enigmatic Russian effect or maybe they were undersized, and they let them mature for like a fine wine in Grand Rapids for longer than was probably what they needed. And then you have guys like uh, Gustav Nyquist. Whenever they get called up to the league, it's not a huge step for them. They it, it, they fit in. The game's already slowed down for them, and it works. Um, so maybe they can get finally actually doing more than just lip service of saying the Detroit Red Wings are our model. Because for years that was that was their saying. We would we measure ourselves against Detroit, even though they played the exact opposite style of hockey that they did. That always bothered me. Um, well, the Predators have never been overly distracted by reality. Um, they they tend to have, they for most places they have a grounded approach, but when it comes to how they view themselves as as a as an iced hockey team, it, it doesn't always match up. Not always, no, not always. Uh, they did do some smart moves in free agency as far as bringing in outside talent. They they had two holes that were pretty glaring when you look at the playoff roster compared to what was what was there now. If you knew that Matt Cullen's gone, which I don't think Matt Cullen signed with anybody at the time of the show. Mike Santarelli, not going to be brought back. Uh, Anton Volchenkov, gone. Uh, they bring in Barrett Jackman, who is, I wouldn't say Mr. St. Louis Blue, but he's pretty close. He's pretty close. Yeah, pretty what, close. How, long, how long was he there? He Over was drafted t- in 1999. He's, he's been there for, what, 15 years or something like that? Yeah. And the thing is, he's actually a really pretty, like, a, as far as stay-at-home, solid, non-scoring defenseman goes, he's really consistent and consistently good. I mean... The fact that he could come to the Predators to come to a competitive team and be part of that speaks volumes to the ability to start tracking free agents. 
But also, I mean, it's just it's a definite upgrade over Volchenkov. And Volchenkov wasn't bad. He just wasn't interesting. And Barry Jackman's a little bit more interesting. And going through the uh, free agent roster, uh, even just a couple weeks before free agency started, I was remembered looking at the left-handed defenseman and seeing, you know, you saw Andre Sakara up there. and But, like, that that's not anyone that the Predators were going to need to spend money on considering the deal that he got with Edmonton. Um, but the name that really stuck out there was Barrett Jackman because he, would, he was going to be relatively cheap. He was relatively old, but he's still a very, like, at least productive player on the ice as far as what his position is he's not going to light up the scoreboard he's not going to score a lot of goals but you really I don't think that anyone could have done a whole lot better um, or any better given the position on an ice doing six defensemen yeah. but I mean the, and the thing about him the, the ring I really like about Jackman is that he can actually move the puck up the ice he's not a, he's not a skater but he's gonna make that first pass he's gonna make it count and that's one thing that's that was really missing a lot and, and one thing that Honestly, and this will be interesting how it shakes out through the year, that the Weber Yossi pairing is really missing because Weber doesn't always can't really make that pass out of the zone. Um, you know, that's why Yossi's always carrying it out every Which single time. Which we found time. out he was more injured than what we knew initially. So maybe that was affecting it, but I get what well, you're saying. Well, it's it hasn't been a one year thing. No. It's been a couple years. We've year seen thing. flashes of it like against uh, ironically the St. Louis Blues, uh that infamous two on ho uh shorthanded breakaway that was the goal of the year for me. But other than that, yeah, he's been pretty mild as far as the skating attempts, or even um, I think even just the the passing breakouts, not yeah. even the skating. Yeah, Jackman. Is, I mean, there's no secret what he's brought here to do. He's brought here essentially to watch Seth Jones back, and I think he relishes that. He's going to play some tough minutes, and maybe that allows Weber and Yossi to start more in the offensive zone. Which we say that every time there's a defensive <laughs> signing, maybe Weber and Yossi <laughs> play more offense. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll play maybe a couple fewer minutes every night and not get so run down by the end of the year. You know. That that same model that the Blackhawks used to win the cup all the time by not beating their players into the ground through through, through the regular them season, so, yeah, so they can say, beat them down in the Duncan playoffs. Keith yeah, 30 so then, yeah, that's what. Well, that's when you. I mean, no one cares about the President's Trophy. Everyone cares about Stanley Cup. So why are you beating your players up to get you know a, a vaguely better position in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And everyone saw the schedule. Everyone knew February was just going to be an absolute just dog race. I don't understand why they. And that ship sale. People so like sports angst, Dan. That's true. That's why there's still Cubs fans and Mets fans. You went there. Uh, Cody Hodgson also brought in. Now, this move initially was kind of a, meh, it's Cody Hodgson, okay, he's a good third line center. But the more I look at it, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, I spent today, because I was really bored at my job, um, looking through wowies with, with Cody Hodgson. And he played pretty darn good next to guys like who have talent like uh, Thomas Vanek. Uh, he didn't do too great with Drew Stafford. Drew Stafford he did not play well with. But but Jason Pominville, who we all accept as a pretty legit top six forward in the NHL, pretty good alongside him. Drew Stafford, he was just god-awful beside. But this year he played most of the year beside Chris Stewart and uh, Delores. Delorier. Delorier. Yeah. Oh, man. I, you know, I wanted to really evaluate Hodgson because you have that really big, bright perception. He was a he was a high prospect with, with Vancouver. Everyone really talked about him. He he looked like he was gonna break out, but then he's just been pretty like overall his his numbers and his results have just been bad. But then you look at where he played and the positions he played, and you're like, it's hard to judge him by his statistics because he's always been put in the worst positions possible. I he, broke I broke down uh, his numbers when I was uh, writing a post on this uh, the free agent signings a couple weeks ago. Or so, I'm sorry, it was about a week ago. Um, but he went from the last year, this past year that finished up, he was getting about half the power play time that he was doing uh, the year before that, and he was also shooting crazy. 
on the power play two years ago, which contributed nine goals to his total, and he got mm, close to 20 goals, I think, a couple years ago, and he got six goals this year because he was getting half the power play time and starting most of his games on the third or fourth line if he was even in the game so far. Um, So looking at that, yes, he had a terrible year, but it's also, again, so you're saying really hard to judge him based on how he was used, basically. He He spent his career during Buffalo's darkest days. How do you evaluate a player who is put in a position to fail intentionally? You can't. No. So I, I have no idea what's going to come from Hodgson. He could be, he could be every bit as bad as he's been, and they could just bury him in the mine. They could just you know ditch him. Someone might take a waiver on him um, when he's on waivers. When huh. he's on waivers, I'll uh, see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, that didn't quite come together. Well, in the we're end. sorry, Cody. Well, yeah. But it's, Here's what here's a, a thing that I don't see mentioned. I had to check four different uh, salary cap websites for the NHL because actually there are four now. I feel very proud. Proof that the NHL needs to be proactive with that whenever. But uh, no one wants. No one cares. No one wants. Dan, no one wants to know about salary. Let's talk about salary, Dan. Cody Hodgson's going to be an RFA at the end of this year. Really? <laughs> David Poyle got a man who was once the Vancouver Canucks' number one prospect for one million dollars, and now he's the Predators' RFA. How often? Wait, but he was bought out, right? He was bought out. How often do RFAs get bought out? I looked at it. I don't. uh, In recent memory, I don't think it's it's happened because I was going through the players that have been bought out recently, and they've all been you know thirty plus. They've already signed deals with uh, during their UFA deal uh, UFA years, and it just hasn't worked out for some reason. I mean, you look through it's like Cavalier, Ribeiro, Grabowski. Yeah, Lecavier, don't bring up Lecavier. <laughs> Sorry. Stephen Weiss. Stephen Weiss was there another one. They And they all signed UFA deals for, you know, a thousand years at, you know, $2 billion that they got bought out from. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this sad. may be David Poyle's... For, for the other questions that we have, the Cody Hodgson contract, pretty smart. Now, he made a couple other moving furniture around moves, getting Cody Bass and Max Reinhardt. Well, I will say Reinhardt is, I mean, he he could, he has the potential to to, to fill in the Predators in, in some roles. Um, he, he could he could uh, do something like that. He's got some tools. He hasn't... Diet Paul Gostad. Okay. Yeah, well, Diet Paul Gostad might be quicker than full fat Paul Gostad. Um, <laughs> and get paid less, too. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Diet Paul Gossett for a third of the pr- for over a third of the price. True deal, true deal. Um, let's let's dive into why people are tuning in with this. Um, the existing Good question. It's been through. It's been almost four years. Why are they tuning into this? True. The existing roster. This is um, actually my first time listening to you guys. <laughs> Thank you. The existing roster uh, is going to mostly be retained. If you believe everything David Poyle has said so far, he wants to keep everything similar to what it was last year. That's all fine and dandy as, uh, on on the surface, but an eleventh hour deal uh, was struck with Mike Ribeiro, signed for two years. Now Mike Fisher earlier that week was also signed for two years. So, from a hockey sense, you have Ribeiro and Fisher for the next two years. You have Hamenev, you have Watson, you have Sissons, you have all these center draft picks. Further adding some credence to the fact that we're that I believe that they're trying to compete for the next two years and then really set up for a run after that. Now, with that said, um, I like enjoying hockey. I like the fact I like that I can cheer for. I, I have this vision of just of when before the Ribeiro contract was signed. I had this vision that it was going to be Austin Watson elevating his game to the top line center and just 
punching in ugly rebounds and ugly goals off James Neal shots, and it was going to be fun because I was going to cheer for, the, cheer for this big, clumsy kid from Michigan who was going to make a name for himself in the NHL. When did you become Chris Martell? What is that? And that's, I, that's crazy. I'm, no, no, because I'm actually believing in Austin Watson. That's something he would never do. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> but but, but I, I would rather have done that and fought like hell for the seventh seed than to have a year where we're going to have that as supporters of the team, we're going to have to deal with uh, having this dark cloud over the franchise that is the Mike Ribeiro contract for the next two years. It's not our favorite move. Um, on the ice, it makes sense. Off the ice, I don't want to uh, deal with well, it. I, I, here, let me, let me throw out a counter-argument. I, I think off the ice... I my impression is that we're probably all in agreement about our feelings about the off the ice stuff. Uh, we're not. Mm-hmm. We, we 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 we've been, you know. I, I was Dan Dan and on the fortune been tracking it, and and we were I think fairly critical early on. Um, I mean tempered, but but wary. Uh, and since then, clearly have fallen down to one side <laughs> and the other. Uh, but I just look at a, a guy who's going on thirty six and thirty seven, uh, had a year no one expected expected him to have. Uh. You know, $3.5 million, two years, it's not a terrible contract, but it's not a good contract because there's. I still don't feel a guarantee he's going to deliver what he did last year in terms of on-ice performance, in terms of points. And it's very possible. The thing is, it starts to get much more murky after that when you're in the second year, which uh, I remember writing about this uh, right after the season ended, and I said two years max is what they're going to want to do. And so on that on that part, I'm glad that they didn't go out and give him three or four years because it sounded like he was looking for term uh, right after the season was over. Uh, but yeah, that's I mean that's a lot of money to be paying a 35, 36, 37 year old center who has been a career two C for this, his entire life and is now uh, tasked with basically going up against the toughest competition each and every night and expected to produce again 60, 60 points. On top of that, I mean, he's 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 got a skating agility based game, and and the thing, well, I mean, as far opposed to being a, a strength guy, he just sort of sits no, in the perimeter. And, and no, he's much more of a pick a spot on the ice and camp out. He's if you watch him on the break, he does not, he's not using his all right, speed. So at I, all. Sorry, I illustrated the wrong. But basically, um, what I was trying to get on, he is he's a positional player. There you go. Um, and and that both works for and against him. And you know, keep me honest, Dan. Of course, at least you at least you didn't threaten to punch me. Don't threaten to punch me. I get tired of that. I've, I've, I know you don't listen. You, I know you. I'm all the way across the table. Listen, so. listener, <laughs> listeners will will understand. Um, you know, and and so I kind of wonder because people always talk about hey the, the speed and the and all that stuff goes first, and the strength stays behind. Well, he doesn't have any strength. So Patrick uh, Kane may disagree, but that's that was an anomaly. Go well, Patrick Kane's an elite <laughs> player. I mean, he's one of the best. No, no, he remember the check he put on Patrick Kane. I think it was game three. It was game two, five. Oh, no, because I, I was there for that oh, one. Oh man, it was. It's. I mean, the hockey season was how many? How long ago? I've already forgotten everything that happened. Um, I, I just. This, it was this odd is that me. we saw him play defense in the in the playoffs. He was actually a pretty well, good two way player. Well, I mean, hey, why, actually having a chance to win a Stanley Cup can do crazy things to a person. That's true. I mean, that's what I assume fuels Yager every year. Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. Either that or some sort of like check nuclear. I'm pretty sure he's sleeping in like power. a hyperbaric chamber. To, like, or he's a vampire. I mean, one yeah. of the, the weight other. vest on mm. with the weight vest. <laughs> <He's a> <laughs> Wow, we we've actually just made a real world version of of Dragon Ball Z, which is kind of scary. Uh, also, our first Dragon Ball Z reference on the show ever. 
That's exciting. Um, but yeah, so it's a, I kind of wonder how his positional play is going to, to hold up. Uh, at, at one point, do teams realize that all they need to do is just have a defenseman sort of stand on top of him and he's suddenly less effective? Especially when he's 36, 37 years old and skates like Matt Cullen. And he's going to be playing with a 21-year-old on his line. Uh, all right. That's the on-ice stuff. Here's a stopwatch. You've got, Chris, we're going to start with you. We're not fans of this move off the ice. I don't know you don't need 60 seconds. I'm going to give you 60 right. seconds. And I'll whatever you, whatever swears you have, I can bleep out. Well, I'm going like to say swear-free, and I want to I approach this fairly reasonably. Uh you know, I, I started being very neutral on him and saying, okay, we'll just, we're just going to wait for the full facts to come out because there's very little detail, um, though it didn't, I wasn't enthused about it. Uh, his behavior, though, through the course of the year made me question his, his I've never seen a, a, a top-line player get chucked off the ice multiple times in a season for mouthing off to refs. As far as, a, as just a human being, that kind of makes you an asshole. Um and I don't really want a lot of those guys in the team. I've, I've harped about those guys before in the past. Um, guys, you have good reputations. I've, I know who they are off the ice, and I've, I've wanted them gone. And it's the same with Ribeiro. And then you add in the facts that have come out. And I say facts because I just don't believe the person was lying. The uh, the defendant, the plaintiff was lying. And and it's just I don't think it's in the franchise needs. I don't think it's something that sends the right message to um, to female fans. I think it just puts them in a, in a bad position, and it, it's it's not good for anyone. And it's it was the wrong decision. And to build off that point, he's been getting thrown off the ice all his career for mouthing off at refs. Um, yeah, I'm basically inclined to agree with just about everything that you said. Uh, I didn't even want them to sign Ribeiro after they was bought out with Arizona. I went on record saying that on the website uh, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, and then just as everything was going on, it's just like, man, do we really, really, really want to have to deal with this? And just considering the fact that David Poyle has benched people and for staying out too late, they're basically saying, okay, if you stay out too late, that's worse than getting in trouble for uh, sexual assault. Yeah. And I just, from the pristine choir boy reputation that this uh, organization has had, it seemed like a no brainer that they could just walk away because they didn't even have to do anything. He wasn't under, he wasn't going to be under contract anymore. They could have just walked away and said, you know what, we'll figure it out from here. And again, they did this with all the things that we talked about before 35 years old and going on. And I just, I did not like the move at all. My gripe comes to the organization itself has been a sense that why are they pursuing this guy? Even if you just look at it from a hockey sense, you're literally kicking the can two years down the road. It's harder to keep a talented team together in the age of the day, day and age of the salary cap. But also as a fan, I touched on it earlier. I want to be able to enjoy the game. I want to be able to uh, to be able to unabashedly cheer for my team, even though I'm you know we have this whole charade blog thing that we keep up. But <laughs> but I want to be able to enjoy it without having to answer anybody. And um, I won't be able to do that a whole lot with the top line this year. Yay, Forsberg scored. Oh, Rivera got an assist. Okay. Uh, again, I would have. I'm. I'm much more. I guess used to cheering for like a plucky underdog type than than to being the quote the villain. Now, you know, nothing wrong with being the Oakland Raiders as long as you do. You know, this isn't the NFL. They didn't. They didn't need to sign this guy, and um, you know, it's 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 done. But doesn't mean we have to be happy about it. And we're not happy about it. And we're not happy about. We're it. We're not happy about it. Cool. Now we got that out of our system. 
Mike Fisher's back for two years. Uh, the handsome man uh, who's married to uh, Carrie Underwood is going to be back for two more years. Be actually getting more money than Ribeiro, which he had a raise. He got a Mike Fisher got a raise. He is. <laughs> He's older and he's more injured and he's 35 and he got a raise. <laughs> and his season, I mean, everyone's like, he had a great comeback season. You look at the numbers, he had a really lucky run of it for the year. He is not going to repeat that unless it's a similar bout of luck. Either it that is- or his deployment changes. Because he made a lot of he made a lot of uh, good plays in the special teams. I was going to say, if the special teams get any better... Then um, can, he'll put up he'll put up more power numbers. play points, which. But I think you're gonna, you're gonna be, I think you're gonna see a drop in his five on five. So I mean, it might maybe he'll finish about where he was last year. Only Although if he has more power play. Well, time. it could be too because I mean uh, Fisher doesn't have terrible possession numbers, and Colin Wilson and Craig Smith, who I think at this point were are probably penciled in to who he's going to be centering, provided the that they are both you know retained and brought back and resigned. Um, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. Uh, but if. Craig Smith and uh, Colin Wilson have another good season. He he could be brought along with yeah. that. He may not be an anchor on that line, but there's nothing wrong with being a passenger as not long as I, you're not uh, bringing that line down. My, my expectation is that he gets hurt sometime this year and is out for some amount of time. I think that's probably going to happen. That, um, as terrible as that sounds, that's not the worst thing in the world for this team. No, I think I think that's that's what happens. That sounds and, incredibly and bad the, to say, but it's not well, the worst thing. Poyle, in the world. Poyle signed him to a courtesy. You're a good guy contract. That's what the, that's what this is. There's no there's no reason you give a 35 35 year old player who comes off who's coming off a Achilles heel injury a really really was wait was Achilles was Achilles tendon Achilles ruptured tendon. Achilles tendon oh, thank one you. of the hardest um, injuries to come back yeah, from coming sports. back from that having having a a very for, kind of a, a very fortunate end of season he was shooting way over his career shooting percentage he he was getting in a number of other things he's playing with play, with with some guys who were doing really well had career years. Um, so I think all those things sort of count against him, and then you give him a raise. It's a courtesy contract. It's a hey, Mike, you're a good guy, and we like you, and you fit the image that the National Predators traditionally have had. God knows we need a win. Yeah, right you now. Ne- you need to be like the complete counterpoint to Mike Ribeiro because as scummy as he is, you have to be that angelic. Uh, that's what this contract is, and I don't like those contracts, but I recognize the NHL is a place where these things happen. Also, it's only for two years. It's only for two years. Yeah, yeah, He's exactly. Hang let's, it up let's at just, the end of two let's years. Just burn through the last illusion of of Predators fans' view of Shea Weber, and just burn through the rest of that prime part of the part of the year, and then come out the other side. My hope with that deal is that either this year or next year, Mike Fisher plops down to the three C role. Because I think that given the way that his uh, style is, given the way that he chips in on both special teams, the PK and the power play, uh, I think that he could take those minutes and do very well with those minutes. And the thing is, you know, he's not being tasked with running the team. He's not being tasked at being the guy to for like all the offense to go through. He's there for his leadership on the ice, his leadership in the locker room, his, again, ability on the special teams, and he can also chip in and be a productive forward on five-on-five. Well, let me touch on this up real quick. You, uh, you, said that Fisher, you said that Fisher's likely going to get hurt at some point, and you touched on Fisher being bumped down to the 3C. I said that would not be a bad idea because you have right now a surplus of sinners. Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, Cody Hodgson is being penciled in right now to be the, quote, the third-line center. Cody Hodgson needs to play with talented players to be effective. He was not effective in Buffalo with uh, guy with grinders. And whoever's going to be on the third line in Nashville, which we're going to get into that here in a little bit, likely not going to be a grinder to begin with. But if you put Hodgson beside Smith and Wilson, I'm like, I, you know, it might well, even, work. Even Hodgson with a guy with um, 
I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll have to see Hodgson play a little bit to see his his, uh, his strengths and weaknesses. I haven't watched him closely in Buffalo because who has watched Buffalo closely? <laughs> well, I don't know. NBC would um, disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, shave your beard, everybody. Um, where was it? But like, if he's there with with Yarncroke and some combination of of maybe Beck, Bork, whomever uh, you want to put out there, I mean, that could be a really interesting line in that they can play both sides of the ice, but they have. A huge amount of offensive potential. I mean, that could be a really interesting experiment for Laviolette. Pretty fun. Um, also, there's Kelly Yarncroke as well, which Peter Laviolette loves that kid. Who doesn't? I love him. Beautiful hair, nice smile. A lot of like about Kelly Yarncroke. Okay, there's me. All right. Oh, no, I was I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah, okay, sitting here in silent agreement. Okay, good to hear. On the other yeah. side of the break, we're going to touch. It's not a podcast. <laughs> you need to talk. We're going to touch on the other teams, the other uh, kids that did a lot of fun things, uh, like making trades and bettering their teams and stuff. Also, five tough questions on the other side. You're listening to the Predcast brought to you by OnTheForeCheck.com. These days, you need a partner current in latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. Welcome back in. Let's take a look around the Central Division where stuff got real weird on the other side of the Mississippi River. The St. Louis Blues, well, they got really dumb. Traded TJ Oshie for John Garcia's least favorite Washington Capital. I don't know if I'd say he's the least favorite Washington Capital. I mean, he's bad. Maybe my most favorite scapegoat. And, and the Washington sports tradition, that may be your, that I guess that wouldn't be your least favorite player because you need that guy on your team. Troy Brower goes the other way for T.J. Oshie, American hero. T.J. Oshie, the most overrated American player of our generation. Ooh, um, he's not that good. He's, he's not that bad. But he's only he's hit what twenty goals once in his career. Maybe. I mean, I if mean, you're looking at just he's goals not alone, the player yeah. that that he's sold as. No, he, and I think he gets kind of a. I think that the excuse with that, and this is the excuse with it. I'm not saying it's the reason. I'm saying it's the excuse. He's paired with David Backus and playing like all the tough matchups. That's his role in the team. He's also, I guess people think of him as a goal scorer, but when you look at it, he's you know putting up fifty or so points. Most of those coming from assists. So yeah, I figure that if and granted, this is uh, I, I mean I like the deal for the Capitals um, switching over to the Metro real fast, not the Central, but I like the deal for the Capitals because they've been looking for that. Um, that type of player to put on the top line basically since Mike Knubel left a long time ago. They had some success with it with Joel Ward. Um, I love Mike Knubel. I'm a Flyers fan, so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so. They had some success with it with Joel Ward towards the end of the season and uh, a little bit in the playoffs, but uh, it didn't necessarily work as well. I mean, Mike Knubel scored 
damn near 30 goals on a line with Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom. At, at age, th- what, 37? Some, yeah, something yeah. like that. Here's why I think it's going to work. T.J. Ocean is going to have a very good season with Washington. The St. Louis Blues are not a fast team. They're a team that just prods along and gets the zone and just holds you in the zone forever, and they always have traffic in front of the net, which is what, what Ken Hitchcock wants. I mean, it's it's successful in the playoffs. He's got a Stanley Cup ring. I don't. He knows what he's talking about. But he's but T.J. Oshie, with speed on the ice and just being able to have more shooting lanes in front of him, everyone knows he's got a great shot. And he's also not going to be the one that everyone's going to be looking at on the ice either. No, on that line, he's the third best player. So he's going to he's, he's going to be able to, to fire the puck at the net and not have some big oath standing in front of him. And that's assuming also that he's on that line too, which I think right now is probably what he's penciled in as because he could also switch down to the second line, play with uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Andre Burakovsky or Andre Burakovsky and Marcus Johansson or Evgeny Kuznetsov and Marcus Johansson. Well, that, seems, that strikes me as being a more like, like creating a second complete line, something that needed a little bit of polish or a little bit of grit depending on how you view Oshie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that could be really interesting. Yeah. What, does, Br- what does Brower do bring to uh, St. Louis they didn't have before? More names even with the letter B. That's about it. Yeah, he has a Stanley Cup ring. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is a little bit uh, uh, overrated, but he does. Uh, you do have those intangibles, you know, the grittership. Uh, the letter B. Yeah, the letter B. The letter they B. They had plenty of those. I think there's one more. They had to replace Barrett Jackman. And as much as I like to harp on Brower because of the openness that he misses all the time, the playoffs that we're not going to talk about, like in the Rangers game where they lost in 3 0 Anyway, um, he is a solid player that if he's playing third-line minutes, he could do extremely well on. Granted, he is sort of a possession black hole. And when I say sort of, I mean he is a possession black hole. Um, and he goosed a lot of his numbers by standing in the slot on the power play when Washington, which is kind of like playing with cheat codes. Uh, but he will bring scoring. He will bring, bring grit. He will bring leadership. He will bring physicality. So it's not the worst deal in the world. I won't say that the St. Louis Blues got fleeced, but if you're going to ask me, do I want Troy Brower on my team or do you, I want TJ Oshie on my team, I'm going to go with Oshie. Every time. That's an easy decision. Very easy Very decision. easy decision. Chicago also, uh, you can argue that they got a little bit worse. Uh, Brandon Saad goes the other way for Artem Anisimov and Marco Dano. Uh, no trade for Patrick Sharp yet, so that's at the time of the recording of the show. Or Brian Bickle. Or Brian Bickle. Now, Saad's an interesting one because Saad is getting paid right now by Columbus. Artem Anisimov also, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent after the end of this year. Chicago went ahead and extended him, so he's got a decent contract as of right now. Chicago right now has their there's their centers one through four, Jonathan Taves, Table Teravinen, Artem Anisimov, Marcus Kruger. It's pretty good. It's not bad. I mean, uh, have, yeah, that's like pretty this. good. I mean, you, they're going to have some wingers, you know, here and there. That's fine. I mean, that's the same thing they did before. But again, Stan Bowman, you can say what you want about the guy. They got the centers, and one through four, I'm not sure there's a better one, two, three, four centers in the league right now. Well, they've got to spend, um, Chicago has to, I think, has to spend a season uh, working around the new cap hits for uh, Kane and Taves. They just have to adjust to it. I mean, they've they've shown the flexibility, the ability to manage the cap, and and they know they're going to lose good pieces, and that's just a known factor at this point, and they're approaching it with a keen business sense. So I think, you know, they may have a year where they're sort of treading water, meaning that they're still a good team and they still ch- may even challenge, they may challenge another Stanley Cup, but they're not quite the same level they were this year. Uh, but then they're going to, the cap's going to keep going up. They're going to get more flexibility. The deals are going to get easier to manage and they're going to start turning elite again. I mean, they're, they're such a great business 
structure to this team right now from where they were a few years ago. Yeah. And you look at, they've already done that twice. Like exactly what you're talking about, they've done it twice because it looked after they, they, when they won their Stanley Cup in 2010, they looked cooked uh, after the end of that season. And then they ended up going seven round or seven games with Vancouver after they were down three to nothing. And they lost an overtime of game seven. I mean, no one saw that one coming. And then they found a way to win the Stanley Cup again, go through another roster jettison, not quite as bad as 2010, and then win the Stanley Cup again. So I think if any team's built to uh, kind of, you know, be flexible for what they're looking at in their roster, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to prove that they're still the team to beat until they aren't. You even had in 2010, you even had like guys like Dustin Bufflin at the parade, like celebration, I don't know what's going to happen this offseason. He already knew he was traded. So just to give you an idea how systematic their rebuilds have been. Minnesota very quiet this year. Uh, Dallas their biggest but, change. Well, you talking about just their their play on the ice or their play? I mean, <laughs> what, what, quiet in what way? Because they, well, they didn't like, bore me to death. How about that? Um, they didn't really do much. Um, Min- resigned a couple guys. Yeah, that's about it. Resigned a guy. Gronlin got a nice deal. That's good for him. They they signed some play- they drafted and signed some players who weren't from Minnesota natively, which was a shock to all of us. <sighs> well, it's okay. They're going to kick him out when the other Minnesota players keep coming back in. <laughs> yeah, they got to go somewhere. Dallas uh, decided that goaltending is their trouble, so they bring in Ante Niami. That's really smart. You know, if you could think of, like, a better way to spend $10 million on your hockey team other than Kari Lettinen and Ante Niami, uh, I'm not sure there's a way out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like you look at the stars, and I just you look at their top couple lines, and you're like, they have so much potential. They could be great and entertaining and dynamic and and kind of almost like a heel of the league with well, the personality. They're entertaining, but they just... But no, they're not entertaining because you know no matter what they do, there's a futility behind it. Uh, those games, they, no, the, the score's going to be 4-3. to three. It just, just depends they, on who's they, on top. They are like, if, if Vietnam was an ice hockey team, that's the Dallas Stars. The problem is that they're going to be having... So, honestly, I don't... I say this right now. I could, I'm could. i probably going to be proven wrong, but I don't think that their goaltending is going to be nearly as bad as it was last year. No, like it just It no. can't be. Problem is, is that... They don't have the defense to cover their goaltenders' mistakes. Is because Dallas is going to have to score all their goals all the time, and then basically just be like, "Okay, well, if the puck goes the other way, we just hope that flip a coin, hope it doesn't go in the net." I mean, they're really trying to. It's like some team decided, "Hey, let's try to emulate the Edmonton model: no defense, only top line heavy." questionable goaltending that we think will be better, but we'll see when we get there. You're sounding, it sounds exactly, strangely, eerily like the Washington Capitals that I watched during college. <laughs> How did Except that with better cinnamon. Mm. True. Wow, I thought you said cinnamon for a second. I thought it was cinnamon rolls. <laughs> I got really excited. I'm like, we're getting cinnamon rolls? Nope. Colorado decided that they were going to be the opposite of the Dallas Stars and just throw a lot of money at defensemen. Francois Boschman and Carl Soderberg to the rescue. Oh, man, that Carl Soderberg deal was just painful. It is literally poor man's Ryan O'Reilly <laughs> in a lot of ways. Production, contract, everything. I just wait. I wait for the yearly Colorado Avalanche shame spiral. Uh, they get so high in themselves, and they think, like, this is our year. And they, they would say that no matter what. They thought signing Danny Briere was a good idea. You know you're a flawed team. Why are you spending to the cap? You know you're not built to well, win the because cup. they're Why only sp- one season removed from from that amazing run and and while getting the Jack Adams. 
Do they Otherwise have the, known as the, the Excellence in PDO do, Award. Yeah, I was going to say, do they have the PDO banner hanging up yeah. in the Pepsi Center right now? I think I think they do. No, as of right now, it's uh, been uh, transported to Calgary. Mm-hmm. It's hanging <laughs> in the Saddle Dome right now. Although, it's off topic, though, Calgary did get a lot better on the ice, though. We can get into that in a second. Uh, Winnipeg lets Michael Freleek walk. Uh, Winnipeg, not as good as last year, but and they got a lot of young players like Shifley. They brought back Stafford. Not a bad team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the because it's going to come down to the goaltending for me and, and them and and me and them. I think it's going to be adversarial with me in Winnipeg, but I think that's going to be the big question: is do they have? Can they repeat that performance? Because obviously Pavlich is, is out, and I can't even remember the name of the Hutchinson. Hutch, Hutchinson, thank you. Can he repeat his performance from last year and keep them competitive? I feel like Hutchinson will be able to step it up. Uh, just because I've, I, I mean, I'm like every other hockey fan in the world. I don't have any faith in Andre Pavlik at all. None. Uh, I don't think that. I think that Winnipeg could probably challenge for another playoff spot. Great. I, I didn't think that they were going to challenge for a playoff spot last year, and I thought that they were going to be the seller team in the division. Uh, that ended up not being the case, obviously. So they lose Michael Froelich, which doesn't hurt a whole lot but it also doesn't help a whole lot so I think that they can still challenge for a playoff spot uh as far as winning around challenging for the cup I don't think so no I don't think anyone has any illusions yeah. to that mm-hmm. uh, well Pacific division, in Winnipeg they do true Pacific division <laughs> touched on a Calgary very good now I'd say they're I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as say very good I say they're they've made some some significant improvements I think within a couple of years they're going to be a playoff team again uh I think I, I still, this year. I don't think this year. I don't think they're quite a playoff team this I'll year. I disagree with that. I think that they can make it because the thing with Calgary is that you looked at the roster that they had, and there's like no way that they can compete in with this at all. And they ended up doing it, writing some pretty high percentages. But then they bring in Dougie Hamilton, so their top three is Mark Giordano, T.J. Brody, and Dougie Hamilton. And then they bring in Michael Froelich. Uh They've got Monahan. They've got Gaudreau. Uh, they've got. Uh, I'm sure Bennett's probably going to be, be playing they got this right year. Back, uh, Michael Backlund as well. That's right. So I think that they've got the pieces there to I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs just because of the percentages that they were riding but I don't see any reason why they couldn't go and challenge it again because I mean you look at going uh in the same division at Vancouver are they I mean look what they got rid of Eddie Lack are they going to be are they going to be or Vancouver yeah exactly they got rid of are, Kevin BX as well who is arguably their best defenseman yeah they, arguably. They gave, Chris they, yeah, probably I mean, the best but you bring Vancouver in the Vancouver gave a lot this season I think they're they're they made themselves the weakest team in the division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could see them taking a step out and Calgary staying where they are. Yeah, the thing about... I think Calgary just needs a little bit more time to bake. Uh, they're moving They're moving in all the right directions right now. And, and I still say, I, th- I think... You know, I think their top three defensemen are better than any anything anyone else in the league. Top four, I think they're among the conversation of having the best top four, uh, the top two pairings, I should defensive pairings, in the league just with, with who they have now. Um, I just, I just think they need a little bit more time before they're really a playoff team. Yeah, and I, I, I could see that. I think that uh, I would mostly agree with that, but I would say that they need a little bit more time before they start contending. Uh, I, I feel like they're going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, maybe that's just my misplaced yeah. faith. Well, it may we'll be one and the same. I mean, yeah. I think they're going to, they may hit a catalyst point where they're all of a sudden, mm-hmm. hey, we're, we're now officially, we went from being from like a full like zero to sixty type scenario. Well, well how many teams are going to make the playoffs of the Pacific this year? Three or four. Because you have the Kings, which are a, as I wrote on my notes here, a 30 for 30 ESPN movie waiting to happen. <laughs> they just added Milan Lucic. Uh, there's Voinov. That's kind of a question mark. Uh, Mike Richards is gone. Jarrett Stoll. We 
wait to see what happens oh, there. Uh, the Ducks let Mapaleski and Francois Beauchemin walk. Uh, they bring in Carl Hagelin. They bring in Kevin Bieksa. They improved their defense, oddly enough, by letting some of those guys walk. And Hacklin's a good player. I, I like Mark. I like Hacklin. Yeah, a lot. I, I think that I he's yeah. like the rich man's Victor Stahlberg yeah. in a I lot mean, of ways. Yeah, the, the Ducks improved their defense slightly, and they add and they added uh, some depth in the forward. They haven't answered their question in goal yet, which will which is the big question mark for me is how they're going to handle goaltending because that was what killed them in the playoffs. They lost because of goaltending. That and just and Jonathan Taves being completely just dominant over uh, over Ryan Getzlaff, which I don't think anybody saw that happening. I, no, we, Kessler. We, sorry, uh, it was Kessler. Dan, who we Dan I already said nice things about Chicago. We're <laughs> over that. Say only um, mean things about them. San Jeez. Jose actually decided to make a hockey move this year and brought in Martin Jones and Joel Ward. Talk about an upgrade over Niemi. As as I've expressed in the show, is my what I consider my ideal goaltender. <laughs> he's cheap. He's just above medi- just above average, and he's consistent. That's my ideal goaltender. But they replace him with a guy who's cheap, way better than average, and is probably going to be pretty consistent. But That's we've awesome. never seen him go through an NHL season before. I want to believe, Dan. Why do I have to be the new Chris in the show? It's well, not fun for me. <laughs> you see, there's this team in the northern part of Alberta that has tried to bring in the whole backup goaltender thing, and it hasn't worked out too well for him. North of Alberta. Northern, I, sorry, the I northern part of Alberta is considered Alberta. Edmonton. 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 Do you even geography, bro? In a related story, a Victor Foss signed a, a KHL deal today. Yeah, who's the goaltender in, in Edmonton now? Uh, Cam Talbot. Oh, yeah, because people think he's a starter. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> that. Also yeah. bringing in a guy who's never been through an NHL season before, even though he did. He did play really well for an extended, extended period, of period of time when Lundquist was gone. And Arizona is still a mess off the ice and dirt poor on the ice. <laughs> Arizona <laughs> is, is basically hanging out a sign that says, we're looking for a new home. We're looking to go I to a good home. I want to see him go back to Phoenix. Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes are basically positioning themselves as they were they are a foster dog looking for a new home. They just need to. They just need to wait until they're adopted. Although you, I'll def- I have a little bit of a soft spot for the Coyotes just because I've got family in Phoenix that I have gone to see uh, plenty of games down there, both in downtown and at uh, what is now Gila River Arena. Oh, it's jobbing.com when I was there. I believe it was pronounced Gila. Man, you know that damn arena is called Gila River Arena, huh? You know that the downtown Phoenix Arena has this new stupid name too, right? It's Talking Stick. <laughs> Talking yeah. Stick Resort Arena. I want them to play there so bad. Tonight, at the Talking Stick. <laughs> Sounds like a really, bla- really bad male strip club. Tonight, at the Talking Stick. If your stick that is, is talking, Shane on the main stage. Let, let's be honest. If, if your stick is talking, please go to a doctor immediately. <laughs> Something is terribly wrong, or you're in a Seth MacFarlane movie. Probably the latter. <laughs> no, but I was like, we don't want to talk about Seth MacFarlane. Ever be quiet. No like, way. Let, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. He might um, have heard us. But you look at the prospects that they've been bringing in and jettisoning the players and everything like that. I think that they're doing their rebuild in a decent way because I think that they've got some. Very good players. They got they traded Keith Handel for Anthony Duclair. Uh, they uh, drafted uh, Dylan Strom, which is what they needed to do. Everyone was saying that Hannafin's going to Arizona. He that did not need to happen. And they've also got Ty Domi sitting in the wings as well. Uh, not Ty. Uh, it's Ty's uh, son. Uh, Max, uh, Domi. Max Domi. I apologize. It's reflex almost. Uh, Max Domi is sitting in the wings right there. So you know if they're going to be bad again, they're. They're doing the Buffalo thing. They're, they're, doing, gonna, they're, they're gonna, gonna be yeah. bad. I mean, the Sabers are gonna be Sabers. Wow, I'm already doing <laughs> yeah. it. Um, the it's Co- reflex. I'm telling yeah. you, the Coyotes are gonna be bad for another three years, and then they're gonna move to a better city, and then all of a sudden they're gonna be successful because they stocked up. I mean, I, I really the thing is, I feel really bad for the Coyotes fans 
because my impression is is that the own, current ownership group is incredibly cynical. They have this perfect deal for them where they don't have to care for five years. Whatever happens to the team doesn't matter because they're just they're going to lose money no matter what, and they're going to go wherever they want to go, and they're going to have this team that they've drafted well they, because you, you you obviously they've made trades for the future. They've drafted well for the future, but the present is so just awful that I feel bad for the fans because they're fighting for a team that is owned by a group that doesn't care about them in my perception you're not a you're not you're not a big NBA guy but are you familiar what is with the NBA are you familiar with the Seattle Supersonics move to Oklahoma City I don't know what you're talking about okay right, right before the the Sonics moved to Oklahoma City they drafted Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant two of the I recognize top, those names two of the top 10 players in the NBA they moved to Oklahoma City and they immediately become a very good team so it'll be poetic justice a little bit. What for if the, they move to Seattle? <laughs> for fe- for fe- the Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes to move back up to Seattle. I want to see him go to Phoenix, though, because um, sure. number one, the city of Phoenix is getting ready to uh, to replace their arena because uh, it was built back in the early 90s, if you remember basketball, back way back when. And this is a true, I don't know if I've ever shared this on the, st- on the uh, show before, but Jerry Colangelo, the former owner of the, the uh, Phoenix Suns, built the arena much more compact than a hockey arena because if you've ever seen like the how basketball re- basketball court looks compared to a hockey rink, uh, basketball court is going to be a lot more shallow on the ends. So the uh, the ends of the of the building are much more tight than a than a building that could accommodate hockey. Therefore, when the Coyotes moved into town, there was the obstructed view seats, and that's the reason why they moved out to the desert. And the rest is history. So if they move back to Phoenix, they're going to build the building that is going to be able to accommodate both. It'll be in downtown Phoenix. It's a big market. Big markets make money for the NHL, and the NHL needs that TV revenue badly. So Seattle can get an expansion team for all I Well, you know, if they care about um, television rights, why would you move to Seattle where it's a bunch of hipsters who don't own televisions? Exactly. You can't you can't buy hockey through Netflix. Also, Seattle has Not their own yet. arena trouble to begin with <laughs> because they can't agree on a site because right now the site that they're looking at in Seattle is right on the port and the port's fighting it because they've already lost ground to the stadiums, uh, both the baseball and the football stadiums. They're running out of room to actually have the port of Seattle. So they're going to be looking to building an arena actually in, uh, I believe, either Belleville or um, one of the outer suburbs of it. And... The experts are saying this is a bad idea. Now, now, tell me, what is the likelihood of the Coyotes moving and taking over Nashville FC? I don't know because uh, I don't think the the Coyotes are a uh, supporter-funded group. Oh, yeah. That, that's actually a really good reason why they'd be moving. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I made your I spelled your joke out. I apologize. That's fine. No problem with that. <laughs> um, looking at East, uh, Boston decided they're going to have to. It's their turn to have bad, desperate ideas. They're they're the new sharks. Who? Wait, I missed the transition. Boston. <laughs> Talking Thank about you. the Bruins now. The Boston Bruins. I'm with, yeah, you. They, I'm with you now. They decided to make some stupid moves. Don Sweeney just put the little uh, water bird on the keyboard with the yes and just hitting the yes button all the time. They're retaining <laughs> salary for Milan Lucic. Can I talk about how excited I am that Zach Ronaldo is no longer a Philadelphia Flyer? He's when going to his doing to his. He went for home. a third round pick. A living, what type of world? There is. I mean, the the Bruins traded for an actual psychopath. We live in a world where it's Zach amazing. Ronaldo fetched twice the draft value that Magnus Helberg received. I mean, it's phenomenal. Maybe more. It's incredible. I mean, Zach. Now, look, let me give a little perspective. Zach Ronaldo, um, his main problem is that he's a psychopath. He can actually skate. He's a really, really good skater. And he has 
all right hands for where he came from. And he has, oh, he's, he's got a lot of good tools, but he's a psychopath. The second anything just deviates from the norm, he's like, I will destroy, I will crush, I will throw my elbow into skulls and then say, I fixed everything. I hit Crystal Tang, I changed the game. I mean, he, he would like, I hope blow, he's okay, but. He would <laughs> blow up a dam and be like, well, the river was sad because it wasn't flowing. And it like, doesn't make any sense. He'd be like, I fixed the dam. I just imagine him as like, you look into the mind of Zach Ronaldo and it's just the Terminator screen where it just turns red, <laughs> sees target, and beep, 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 go. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Yeah, he is, he's got like lifts in his skates so he can do better headshots. I mean, it's, it's what he's built to do. Bruins hockey. Capitals get better, bringing in Justin Williams, TJ Oshie. This is near and dear to your heart. Flyers traded the Chris Pronger contract. <laughs> yeah, we forgot to mention that when we were talking about Arizona. Yeah, that's kind of jacked up to begin with. <laughs> he's still he's still an active player, but he's in the Hall of Fame. I, I'll be honest. Working in the NHL. With the way the NHL works, I'm surprised they didn't induct him to the Hall of Fame prior to the trade being, in, tried, wow. trade <laughs> being announced just so that he retires a Flyer, at least. Nah. Did you hear uh, Don Maloney actually say, like, uh, I have to believe it was tongue-in-cheek, and I I do believe that it was tongue-in-cheek, but he was like, yeah, the main part of this trade is so that we can get Chris Pronger to go into the Hall of Fame as a Coyote. Well, they do have the, uh, the what is it, the wall of, the circle of fame or something for the Coyotes where it's just nothing but retired Jim Winnipeg Jets? <laughs> no, they also have uh, Jeremy Roenick and Keith Kachuk there. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Future almost Hall of Famers. Exciting. Like you could check the Hall of Famer. I hate American Hockey Hall of Fame. Good sure. enough for me. Alexander Simmons bought out from Carolina. No big surprises oh, there. Uh, Boston trades. Uh, Everything for nothing. Oh, they trade Jimmy Hayes for, or they trade for Jimmy Hayes from Florida with Riley Smith. And, and they got out of that contract. They too. got out of uh, Mark Savard contract. Mark Savard's contract. Mark Savard was such a good player. That's such a sad story. I still blame Ronaldo. He didn't have anything to do with it. I still, it's, it's, it's Matt he, Cook. I know, but it's like the same type of player, just these guys who don't make decisions. Also, the big story right now that's kind of taken over the OTF commenters world is uh, the Rangers are facing cap hell without the glory of winning a cup. That's got to be devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly, I, f- I mainly feel bad for, uh, I mean, I grew up in a Flyers household. I'm still a Flyer, consider myself a Flyers fan. And I want Heinrich Lundqvist to win a cup so bad because he's Heinrich Lundqvist. I just can't hate him. As long as he doesn't have to go through another damn game seven against the Capitals, he can win as many cups as he John, wants. John, John, you're the only person who cares the Capitals. Let's move on. Okay. Wow, man. You're the person who cares about the Flyers. Uh, no, and it shows. <laughs> Did you watch it last season? Yeah, that's true. Jeez, they were bad. Um, they were, they were, they were so bad. Here's, here's a question. Oh my God. What do we think about Columbus? Because Columbus, if you look down the road, as far as I, contracts I go, don't. they have Saad they have Saad signed it to a monster deal. They're paying Dubinsky a lot of money. Johansson's contract's coming up soon. And he's gonna be he's the, the angel on top of the Christmas tree. Without Johansson, Columbus isn't gonna do a whole lot. Girlfriend's gonna get paid. He is. Just I don't know if Columbus is gonna have the room to do it given the contracts they're handing out. I, here's the thing is when Kekalainen came on board and he made his first few moves and he started getting settled in, we we're like, he's the chosen one. He's going to break like the Canadian North American GM jinx, and he's gonna like really do things in a new way. And then he just starts giving out these contracts, and he makes these and he makes these moves. He gets his team tied up in very weird ways, and you're like, what are you doing? You were supposed to lead us into a new world. I mean, they're at least being consistently good. I mean, last year they had the injury bug like no one's ever seen before. That's true, but. 
they're at least going to be good. And also, I'll give them credit for the Bobrovsky contract because they went more money, less term, which is with a goaltender. You look at you look at going lots of term for lots of money. Oh, I know. You're, we're going to get along great because short-term <laughs> goalie contracts are my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I'm on the... The, the packet contract is horrendous. Um, it's bad. It's It might... I go back and forth between which contract is bad. The Weber contract, which obviously Philadelphia put together mm-hmm. using their dark Comcast magic, and the Pecorini contract that Poyle put together, and I'm like, which one's worse? And I'm not really the, sure which one's worse. The, I have a feeling that the Pekka contract is going to come back to bite. I don't want to say soon because I don't want to jinx the team, but in a couple years it's going to be woof. Oh, boy. It'll be over within a few years. Well, both yeah. of them. And the, the problem with the Weber contract is because the, the, the new CBA rules will apply to it, and so when Weber does retire, they're still going to be on the hook for a ton of money for mm-hmm. a long time. They should mm-hmm. have traded him before oh, they, July they 1st. Should, I mean, they should still tra- I mean, they don't have the space to. They don't have the roster space to do it now. It's the I same know. thing. I, that's, unless I, you I, trade I, off, unless you pull off Chris Link's just best trade ever, where you trade Shea Weber and Paul Gostad, <laughs> because that would actually open up a space for whatever Weber's return is going to be. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this is maybe getting ahead of where we need to be in the conversation, but the fact that the the Predators are so invested in Shea Weber as a marketing tool, his value is going to start dropping. The NHL is changing. The defen- the nature of the defensive role is changing, and Weber is is old style defense. I he, think his markets or his value is already starting to drop. Well, yeah, and, and not moving him means they're going to they're going to hurt later down the road. They could they could have moved him for a top line center from a desperate team like the Oilers or something like that. And it always would have gotten a highly overrated defenseman whose biggest asset, the reason he's famous, is because he can score big goals using slap shots. Which keep in mind, isn't he the only guy in the slap shot contest who's consistently missed the net? That says a lot about his skill. <laughs> he has a big shot. He's very, very strong. But it's all about power. There's no accuracy or aim to it. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to hate on Shea Weber. I'm not trying to be super negative about it. I just think fans need to be realistic about his real assets and real quality. And I think he's, frankly, holding back the top line. And, and then you also look at who, who they're getting now. Because I mean, as far as the defense goes, because now people are going to be looking at Seth Jones. They're going to be looking at Ryan Ellis. They're going to be looking at Roman Yossi because of the contracts that they're signed to, and because they're really freaking good defensemen. I, I would even, I would even throw, and I'm, I'm a little biased. I love my Swedish defensemen. Ekholm. I would throw Ekholm. I love Ekholm. I love me some Matty E. People sell him short. Still, I look at the comments. They sell him short. He's better than the credit they're giving it. He, I, I agree. He is, he is my favorite for one big reason. He does what you ask him to do, and he does it well, no matter what it is. He is a attacking defenseman. He wants to go forward. He wants to he wants to pinch in. He wants to go deep. But you know what? He sits back because he needs to sit back, and that's what they asked him to do. I am this close to actually buying a Swedish uh, Nike jersey and taking a little bit of, like, transmission fluid or strawberry <laughs> syrup and putting a little <laughs> bit of, like, stain right here so I can recreate the blood jersey. And I love Echo. I love Matias Echo. When, when he changed his number from 42, it broke my heart because that's my, that's, my, that's my number. On that emotional low... It's time for five tough questions. Oh, I'm not emo- I'm talking about emotional lows. I'm not emotionally prepared for tough five tough questions. Also, yeah, <laughs> I'm not ready. Let's do it. Coming into the season, number one, coming into the season with the roster as is, other than resigning Mike Ribeiro for the off-ice reasons, what is your biggest criticism of the moves that were made? We'll start with you, Link. I, I One qu- clarifying question. Can we count moves that should have been made, or do you really want us to focus on moves? Lack that of made? moves. You can. Uh, this criticism with the off season. Um, 
Okay, well, you know, I actually think it was a fairly, discounting my reservation about Rivera, of course, I think it was a really solid offseason. I mean, I liked the moves. They were smart moves. I would have liked to see uh, some more aggressive, more ambitious moves. I, I think Carter Hutton is, is a non-stop continuous mistake. Uh, I, I think they could have easily moved him for a six-round draft pick and it had Helberg as a backup. I, I believe that, that I wrote I read a blog by someone sitting at this table saying something similar to the effect. Yeah, uh, I actually said exactly that. Yes, I know. I was talking <laughs> about you, Dan. Very perceptive. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that that was a mistake. Um, I continue to think, and this is going back two seasons, they're not by Augustad, what continues to be a mistake and, and is going to continue to hang over the franchise. It's, gonna, it's causing unnecessary logjam. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I really deep down... Uh, even though I know it was never going to work out, letting friends and walk, and he would have taken a discount to stay in Nashville, is ultimately a mistake because he's going to eventually he, he's going to reclaim his name. It was harmed last season by his stint in Nashville, which and by is why he's still unsigned right now. But he's going to end up somewhere for less money than he deserves, and he's going to play exemplary, and he's going to re-earn it, and his next contract is going to be big. And I like Cody Franzen a lot. I just I might disagree with that just because I. As much as I liked him, and as much as I was, I'm big on you know on the analytics and everything like that. He just did not mesh on the ice with anyone on the team. I mean, he, he paired with Seth Jones, it was a tire fire. Paired with Victor Bartley, it was a tire fire. Um, so I would have liked to see them trade his rights for a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick or something like that. Um, but I mean, I'm not gonna get too sour over letting friends and walk. Um, I would have liked them again to see me <laughs> I would have liked them to see maybe them do something along the lines of a James Neal trade like they did last offseason granted there's the old adage that you have to have two to tango so I I like to hope that David Poyle was as he says doing his due diligence to go find you know a center to play or finding someone that could slot in um, on the roster that they could ship out who knows uh, an Ellis or a uh, a Wilson or something like that, someone who has value and that they can bring in to replace that value and even make the team better. Wilson Blumenau first. There you go. <laughs> That's the prospect. <laughs> I would have. I'm. Um, I'm more angry that uh, this is probably one of the last years you'd be able to trade Shea Weber for Apex value, and it wasn't oh, even discussed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Wasn't I, this was even a, discussed. If they, you know, if they had just been like, you know what? Let's be realistic. Let's look at the facts. If we trade Shea Weber before the dead, trade deadline. We can haul in just the, just everything we've ever dreamed of. Put Franzen in a role that he's actually gonna he's actually used to playing and, and rely on They're him not to run things. The, the Anton Vermette went for a first round pick. What do you think Shea Weber could have gone? They would for? not have traded the, the, the traded Shea Weber before the deadline. He, they could I mean they could have literally Poyle could have pointed him in like I want that and be like that's the entire Arizona Coyotes franchise. I want it. Like okay, fair enough. Uh, I think if you had traded him in the offseason, you could have gotten some. You could have gotten a reasonable package where you would have had number one, a young top line center. You would have had a prospect to replace Weber, and you would have had the cap space to be able to resign players that you're going to need to resign next year, such as I don't know, uh, Philip Forsberg and Seth Jones. Yeah, and I was also going to go into that a little bit. I mean, granted, uh, I'm I was fine with the free agent. I thought they did great in free agency. I thought they did fine in the draft. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because it's not fun to compliment people. It's fun to tear them down. Oh yeah, uh, well, the question was criticism. Too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, 
What were you talking about? I was getting all all heated. I was talking about the about the Weber trade. You should have. Oh no no no! Now I remember what you're talking about. I am still a little perturbed that Wilson and Smith aren't signed, and I'll tell you why. It's because this is a trend with David Poyle. It happened last year with Ryan Ellis. It happened a couple years ago with Ryan Suter. It happened with Shea Weber, and he got that offer sheet. And if it's it was like a one-off thing, yeah, I understand. It takes a little while to negotiate some deals and get your RFA signed. But when they are big parts of the team, like all the aforementioned players were, it starts to get a little disconcerting when they're going so long without getting a deal done or without any uh, hint of talking about what the two sides are looking at. Well, I, I think Craig Smith probably did try to sign, but he missed the paper and he ended up signing the table. He was too high. High and wide. Lame joke of the season. Number two, with all the available options, who are the best wingers to put alongside Mike Fisher, and who are the best wingers to put alongside Cody Hodgson to start the year? Here are your choices. Colin Wilson, Craig Smith, Kevin Fiala, Austin Watson, Steve Moses, Callie Yarncrick, Ponis Oberk, uh, Victor Robertson, Taylor Beck, Gabriel Bork, and Mika Salamaki. So you have plenty of choices quick, here. Quick note, yeah. um, since I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about the, the prospect development camp, um, what? Well, the scrimmage this, this weekend. That's what we base everything is, off of. This is Arvidsson. Yeah, because <laughs> when when Villiers scores three goals, he's the guy, even though he's not with the team anymore. Um, I don't even remember what his full name was, but uh, this is kind of Arvidsson's year, I do want to say. He's really got to show up and make an impact. You think so? I think I think he's getting down to it. I mean, he believes... I mean, certainly you look at his quotes and he thinks like he's very driven to make it. He's been. I think this is going to be a big defining year because a lot of the Swedish players who come over, they, they, they seem to have this thing where if they don't make an impact within a certain amount of time. They they kind of disappear, um, and they fade away pretty quickly. Like, I think Linus Klassen. Klassen. I think yeah. Salen. We're starting to lose a little. Con- I mean, Salen's Sa- gone. Oh, is he fully gone now? Yeah, he's gone. Okay, yeah. So that same thing with Salen. I mean, so it seems to be they've got time to make an impact. If they don't, they're not as patient. They're willing to go back and play over in, in Sweden. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot more prestige coming up in European hockey now, so they're more willing to play there. And he's a little bit older, too. He's 22 right now because yeah, uh, so. he was drafted a little bit later because one of the things that uh, I was thinking about when ta- – when because th- I was thinking about this same thing uh, a couple days ago, um, I – don't think that it's necessarily that he's got to, you know, he's got to make the team out of training camp and play a huge part, roster part on the team this year. Because you look at um, that 2014 draft class, he's the only person not in the first round to play, or I'm sorry, to play in NHL. You've got um, Aaron Ekblad, Sam Bennett, uh, David Pasternak, uh, Kevin, Kevin Fiala. Fiala. Uh, who is number four? Uh, Reinhardt? I think Reinhardt played maybe a game or two. Yeah, not and then not uh, Max. The other one is the other Reinhardt. The Max. other Reinhardt. Yeah, there's like four of the Reinhardts. You have to get to like all the way down. They're, yeah, there to get that. But really so he was a six round pick, and he's the only other player outside of the first round. But to he play. was also 22. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Is so because I look at that and I say that's pretty impressive. But then you look at well, he's kind of losing some time there yeah. a little bit. I mean, so yeah, I think this is that's gonna be, his performance is gonna be a big big deal for how he makes line. I I think that the natural way for it to go with Fisher is you put Wilson and, and Smith out there. Because that gives you a lot of flexibility on face-offs and rotation, and you can really do some really cool plays. Because if you get the idea of the way, if you start moving away from the idea of positional hockey into, uh, syner- like kind of, oh man, you can tell I'm in a business role, synergistic hockey. Um, they're players who can complement each other in skill, skill-wise, and I think that they can drive some really interesting plays um, with a mixture of passing and, and some some grit and some some smarts. And with and the exception of talent. Smith, that's actually a really good two-way line. Yeah, and Smith can Smith can 
defense. He's okay. A bit. He's he can not, defense. That's not what he's out there to do. But you he need can, that need that kind of jailbreak. He, can, he yeah. can get across his blue line and hang out. But he also have those two up there without the threat of Matt Collins somehow making an appearance on the second line too. <laughs> this is so very true. So who would you put alongside Hodgson? Uh, Hodgson, I think you're definitely looking. I think Yarncroke is the natural answer. You have Yarncroke there, and then. You gotta have a wild card on the other side. Moses probably. Um, I, f- I feel like they didn't sign him just to oh let yeah, him the, sit the, around the, the Moses experiment. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and this is where I'm kind of iffy on the whole Hodgson thing because I was originally looking at having Fiala time, Yarncroke, and Moses on the third line, which I think would be great. Now you add Hodgson in there, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but does then does that bump Kevin Fiala out and he's either got to either sit on the fourth line or stay in Milwaukee? Maybe it's not the worst thing for him to stay in Milwaukee. For a get, They slow-cook Philip Forsberg. We all saw how that turned out last season. Um, but, I mean, he seems very determined to make it out of training camp. I'm sure he's probably not going to be happy if they say, oh, yeah, sorry, we had room for you, but then we signed someone else that we didn't really need and now we don't have room for you. We signed a guy who, who had a bizarre year in the KHL which is a bad league and yet we signed him despite the fact that everyone in the world is sort of like you probably don't want to sign him I don't necessarily think that people are saying no you don't want to sign Moses I just think it's one of those things that okay here's your mystery flavor open it up you'll see what you get it's well, either I mean, going to be a great I, thing the, or it's the, either going to be really crappy kind of the word out there is that a lot of teams took a pass on him because based off of report based off of basically reports from all the uh the scouts, they said, you know, yeah, he's having a good season. But well, he's we also undersized, too, and a lot of teams do value size over skill. And, and I think that's one interesting thing is the Predators definitely showed a tendency to say, hey, we're, we'll take a guy who looks skilled over size, which mm-hmm. I think for the NHL, who's moving away from a hitting league, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tampa and Chicago both kind of look yeah, toward, I mean, towards the skill s- anyways. Size is overrated into, into um, to partially, into uh, I'm paraphrasing, partially quote one of the worst hockey leagues of all time, um, Young Bloods. Uh, Hockey is the last sport for mid-sized people. No, baseball is. I'm quoting a movie. <laughs> Jeez, Dan. I, I left out the other part because I don't like the other part of the quote. Got it. Number three, which team in the Central is most likely to finish with more points than last year? Start with you, John. Start with Link. <laughs> Link, let's start with you. Uh, he's breaking the rotation, Dan. Put your foot down. Uh, I got to run through all the teams in the Central. I can help uh, you with this if you want. I, you know what? Here's here's what I'm gonna say. Uh, what did what did they finish? I don't know what they finished with last year. It was year. Chicago, St. Louis. No, uh, St. Louis. Sorry, yeah. St. Louis, Nashville, Chicago, Minnesota, Winnipeg. Yeah, what was I thinking? Dallas, Colorado. I, I think it's gonna be, and this almost contradicts a little bit. Of what, I think it's gonna be Chicago because they had some real bad luck stretches last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though they slow cook the whole season, I, I think that they're, they're. It's easy to say Chicago's finished with more points because they're still a good team. Mm-hmm. Easy answer. John? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence because I don't think that St. Louis is actually going to be better this year. I don't think that they're going to take too much of a step back, but they're not, I don't feel like they're going to win the division. Um, I want to believe that the Predators can do better, but at the same time, they had some really lucky bounces the first part of the season, and Super, Pe- super Pekka was playing super. Um I don't know. I think that if, if, and this is a huge if, if uh, Dubnik Regression 2015 scatters before it hits landfall, I think that the Minnesota Wild could actually do better than what they did this season. But that is a huge if. Hmm. 
That's tough. I was I was looking at Minnesota, then I realized that their number one center this year is going to be Miko Koivu, and they're essentially the boring predators in a lot of ways. Think about it; they really are actually like the boring predators. Yeah, yeah. Yo is just basically like a younger, more necky Barry Trotz. Go Colorado. He gets a little bit more angry than Trotz does sometimes. Go Colorado <laughs> because, as bad as they are. The answer to the Shame question spiral. The question was this more points than last year. And law of averages would say they would at least get some more points oh, than last year. Oh, yeah. Captain Technicality to my left, Dan Bradley. Well, technically. <laughs> You're technically correct, sir. Don't be a walrus. That's the best kind of correct. Don't be a walrus. Number four, which team in the Central will be most likely to finish with less points than last year? Now, John, you have to go first. Okay. Uh, what did Colorado finish with last year? <laughs> Uh, it, this guy's in charge of the show. Uh-huh. He's like the showrunner. No, I know. Uh, I'm actually, while you're looking that up, uh, I'm going to say that St. Louis is going to finish Ooh. with less points than they finished last year because I, I do not believe that they're going to win the division again. I was also going to say St. Louis. I well, we can't you. agree, though. Well, we absolutely can. Okay. That, that's, yeah, we, we're yeah. allowed to have the same uh, well, answer. It's, it's like when your significant other orders the same thing that you were about to order at, the, at a restaurant. Like, you can't get the same thing. Colorado you, last year you finished you with certainly can. Eight I swear. Points. 88, which was third worst in the Western Conference. I mean, they were distant it's, third. It's still, the answer is St. Louis. The answer is St. Louis. I yeah. think we're all in accord on that. They, they won't be able to win a single shootout without T.J. Oshie. Oh, he was a, well, I don't know, Tarasenko and Latero. I think they'll be okay. They'll win a couple. Okay, It's fine. a shootout. It's a coin flip. Are they even going to go to shootouts with the three-on-three? I was actually confused at first because I was like, "Oh, they're doing the the four and then the three thing." Because which was is really, what they should do. Which, which I watched, I watched live in the AHL. Super fun. Mm-hmm. The trick with them is that I think that uh, Brian Elliott. I mean, he's a okay goaltender. Jake Allen, I'm not 100 percent sold on still. Oh, your enthusiasm is boiling over. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no. They also don't get to you know have Marty Brodeur for a hot second. They anymore. do have a son though. Oof. They acquired Wait. a son. Did they draft him or did Wait, they are you sign serious? him? Yeah, the, the, he's going through development camp with them. I don't know. He was like, he was like a sixth round, or seventh well, round pick. Well, he, he was one of the last picks of not this past draft, yeah, but the yeah, draft before that. Yeah, and the, and the Devils let him go back. They let him expire, basically go back into the draft. Mm-hmm. So did the Blues really pick up? Because I, I, I made a joke about that. Um, and if that came <laughs> to be true, it's funnier. There's a picture of Marty talking to his son in the Blues locker room wearing Blues uniform. Well, uh, I imagine he's bought his, like, look, I'm a no, blue. No, he's blue? wearing goalie pads. I'm a Blues now? A bu- I'm a blue. A blue. A blue. Number a blue five, note. is Nashville yeah. no longer in a realistic position to make a trade to better the roster? Well, I mean, you package up enough assets and ship them out for the right assets, of course. I'd say there's no reason they're not in a position to do it. They just have to be willing to trade assets that the fan that would make the fan base riot. And I say riots, uh, knowing that they already signed a guy who's being sued for sexual assault and they did nothing. So I say riot relative. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the time has passed for them to make a. You know what? I'm going to take that back because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, freaking uh, Islanders acquired Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty a day before the season started last year. So I'm not going to. That worked out okay. It worked out pretty great for uh, everyone involved. Um, So I'm not going to say no. What I would say is that I, as the summer goes on, I feel like it's going to be less and less a huge, you know, shockwave through the system type of deal. And rather, it's going to be. I I still don't feel like they're done this offseason. And what I mean by that is I feel like there are still at least a couple of minor trades that are going to be made to at least free up some space on the roster to get some people out and to make that log jam not quite as jammy. All right, fair enough. Wait, 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 wait. 
we have the master of jam. We don't need to worry about too much jam. Do you have some jam? Jam's truly outrageous. <laughs> Real quick. Um, I want you to go to Poil. Poil, sorry. Lavi, I want to be like, jam is truly, and start, start yeah. working jam is truly outrageous in some. Co- truly, truly, co- truly outrageous. <laughs> um, Real quick, uh, what, as far as a qualifying offer for uh, for Smith and Wilson, what would you ballpark their uh, their AAVs at, and how long would you go with these? With those I guys? I would go conservatively four three five four for Smith three five for Wilson. I think it's going to be five hundred thousand above that. I think that Smith's going to come in about four five, and Wilson's going to get about four. That's my estimation. I, w- I was going to say uh, four or five for uh, Smith and three or five for Wilson. So um, about term. Right, go go team go team. We're we're doing a lot of agreeing over here. Today. Term like what three four five six seven years. Um, I, I I'd want to see uh, five years for Smith and a shorter term, maybe like three, three years, years for uh, Wilson, just because Wilson's still. I mean. Everyone, he's still got to do some proving. I mean, he's had he, he he's shown a half season and a full season he can do it. Which is weird to say about a 25-year-old that was drafted 7th overall, 8th overall. You know, but if he puts in another year like he did last year in the in, you know, the pre-injury before then, then it's not, I'm not concerned. Yeah, but, and and but here's the thing too is that I think at the about the 3-quarter mark of last season everyone was like, "Hey, all those questions that we had about Colin Wilson gone, dead, buried, put to rest, way to go. He's playing like he's supposed to be playing." And then March happens. And <laughs> then March happens and he gets four points from February 14th onward. Though, the, the, of course, you have a chicken-the-egg situation there. It's like, was he back because the team was all of a sudden lousy or was he lousy because the team all of a sudden wasn't, wasn't producing? Mm. Because he's a possession driver. Yeah, and so I'll, all you I'll say that, uh, I mean, I don't think that you're going to put all of the uh, struggles of the team on him. Granted, it would have helped if he was producing, but at the same time, I don't think that the entire team went into a cluster uh, fudge uh, what helped him very much. And then, because, I mean, again, you, he uh, he played in the playoffs, and one of the things I was looking at at the very end of the playoff series is that he had five goals, which led the uh, NHL in playoff scoring for a long time. Four of those were on the power play, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but you look at um, all the other underlying numbers between that, and granted, Chicago is one of the best fancy stat teams in the league, and he was one of the worst players in that regard. Players that were worse than him, Paul Gostad, <laughs> Gabriel Bork, Taylor Beck. Taylor Beck, the fourth line. Exactly. And when you have that, and even when, you know, Forsberg's doing all right, Fisher's doing all right, I mean, no one did great in that series, but they certainly didn't do a uh, 33 Corsi 4 uh, score adjusted at 5 on 5. The weird thing is, he's usually he's usually so much better than that. Even without putting a point, I know he's, he's so the weird. Be- one of the best position players. Yeah. On the and I want to say again, get uh, that got into the fact that just the Preds were not good away from Bridgestone Arena in that series. They they no, were not. Livelet was without not Fisher very good. And without Weber, no, they were not. Yeah, good. they were. Uh, Livelet was not very good at line matching in that series when they were at the United Center. When he had last change, it went great. So, but again. Que- point being, question marks came up about Colin Wilson that previously looked like they were going to be put to rest. So, again, for a 25-year-old that was a first-round draft pick, he still has a lot of question marks of what is the real Colin Wilson? What tough question number are we on? We're done. Oh, we are? Oh, yeah. wow. That was it. That was it. 
You got so into it, you didn't even know. I thought numbers are complicated. Looking ahead, the rest of the summer, we'll wrap up development camp on our next episode. Uh, probably look a little bit closer towards the training camp as well. Uh, maybe later on in December, we'll get back together. When the season starts ramping up, we'll be back on our normal schedule. But let's face it, it's summer. Now, if there is going to be something up a crazy move, we'll be happy to come out here and do another episode. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Last words. Uh, cross John. that dam because we got to go over the That's true. You have to go over the dam. Last word, John. Well, let's have first, some... First time in the big chair over yeah. here. First time at our... At oh, our... is this the big chair? No, it's uh, actually not. Uh, you're, you're one to the right. No one, no one can dare... No one dares sit in Chris's chair. This just felt like the right chair. I'm guessing that's because Chris is still giving off a vibe over here. He, he still has a like, seance over yeah. there. Yeah. It's like at the that scene in Roger Rabbit where Eddie Valentine's sitting across the desk and uh, his brother's place is just all dusty and it's uh, exactly as they left it every night i put a bowl of of cream and bread and honey at that table in the morning it's always gone Mm -hmm. so something's happening um well gentlemen until next time i think it's uh, about time to take a break from hockey for a little bit and not have to worry about it drink some beer go canoeing and enjoy the rest of the summer canoeing's awesome i've got i've got nothing but mls uh for the rest of the summer i'm going to the all-star game end of the month i'm gonna watch my Um, nationals implode in the playoffs again that's baseball, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm glad to be recording a show and I'm glad to have John um on the team and I'm glad to uh be back with on the four check after my absence. Glad to have you aboard. Thank you. You can follow him on Twitter at three D link. His name is Chris Link. You can follow John if you really want to on Twitter at jgarcia thirty six. That is correct. You can follow the site at on the four check. You can follow myself at Dandy Bradley. This has been the Predcast presented by OnTheForeCheck.com. We'll be talking to you soon, and everybody have a great summer. I have a constant fear that something's always there. You are You. Yes. I have a phobia that someone's on.